Hey guys, welcome back to the Greenwood First Student Podcast. Man, let me tell you, it has been five weeks now that we have been doing the podcast since we can't meet together, and for some reason this week, it has just gotten to the point where it's getting hard. It's getting hard for me um, because I'll just, I'll be honest, man, I just, I miss you guys. I miss seeing your faces. I miss giving you hugs. I miss shaking hands. I miss saying hello face to face, seeing you, uh, just the fellowship of our, our group. I just, I miss it. And talking into a microphone and teaching you the word of God is just not the same as being able to interact with you as we worship and as we sing and as we get into God's word. And so, yeah, it's just getting, it's getting hard for me. Um, just because I miss you guys, and I am I am praying for the day when we can get back together again. Uh, this is maybe something that the Lord is using to to help us to remember the importance of fellowship and and the gathering of believers. Um, maybe something we're so used to getting to meet every Wednesday night that we we take for granted what it's like to interact in worship with each other. And so we'll continue to to do the podcast, uh, but know that my heart is with you and for you. I am praying for you guys, thinking about you guys, and, and again, I just can't wait until we can get together again and get into God's Word face-to-face and worship Him together. Well, we're going to continue our walk uh, through the Gospel of John. Only got a couple weeks left, and we'll be starting something new. Uh, last week, we looked at the cross and the things that were done for us on the cross. And so obviously this week in chapter 20, we're going to be talking about the resurrection. Now, hopefully you were somewhere on Easter Sunday uh, where you listened to an Easter service and and you understood the importance of the resurrection. And because of that, uh, I'm going to, to not cover so much the implication of the resurrection, but I do want us to look at a practical conversation that happens right after the resurrection of Jesus, something that I think we can relate to, something I think that we can help each other in growing and understanding, something that I think is probably one of the most real conversations in all of Scripture, uh, and I think it just applies to us perfectly still today, and so I want us to spend some time there. So just to kind of set the stage before we get there, uh, Jesus was murdered on the cross. He bore the weight of the sin of all mankind on the cross, and after that, Uh, His body was taken, and Joseph of Arimathea, uh, who was one of the disciples of Jesus, took him and put him in a tomb. And the Saturday goes by, Sunday morning, um, some of the women come back to anoint Jesus with the spices that were a part of the burial process and Jewish custom. And as they return, Mary Magdalene uh, is one of those. She comes, she stands outside the tomb, seeing that it is empty, And her first thought is, they've taken my Lord. Uh, The Jews, the Romans, someone has taken his body and and done something with it, and we don't know where it is. And she begins to weep. She begins to cry. Jesus shows up and tells her, do not cry. Uh, The one you are seeking is, is, I am he. And she says to him, uh, Rabbi, Rabboni, which means teacher, and he says to her, you know, don't cling to me uh, since I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to the brothers and tell them that I am going to ascend. And so she takes off and goes to tell the twelve what she has seen. 
And as she is running back to tell them, we get a really pretty funny story that that happens when she tells them these things. Um, Peter and John run, John being the author of this gospel, uh, pretty uniquely instills the fact that he outruns Peter to the tomb. I don't know what the context of that really means, uh, other than that just being historically accurate, I assume. Uh, but I think it's kind of funny that John writing this says, hey, by the way, uh, I beat Peter when we ran to the tomb. Uh, most people believe that John was much younger than Peter, and that's probably why. Uh, and so he, he probably was in a better shape, and so he could make that run to the tomb easier than John. But just because maybe I'm a competitive person, if I was to write the gospel and I was John and I won the race, there'd be the pride in me that want to put that in there as well. Uh, but they see that, that they run to this place. They see that it is empty. Uh, and it says something interesting. It says that that John, when he sees the empty tomb, he believes. It says he sees and believes. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, seeing and believing. And so after all these things happen, they go back to uh, this room where they are gathered together. And that evening, on Sunday evening, Jesus appears to them and says, Peace be with you. Uh, and as this is happening... Jesus speaks to them. He, he breathes the Holy Spirit to them and tells them that they are now given some authority uh, in being able to discern uh, people and, and their actions and their works. And, and then we pick up in verse 24 of chapter 20. And this is a conversation that many people have heard of, if you are uh, at all familiar with the Bible, with a man named Thomas. Most people call him Doubting Thomas. I think that is a terribly unfair uh, understanding of who he is. It's a terribly unfair naming of this man. Um, it probably should be normal Thomas, because I think this is all of us. Uh, doubting is something that we all st- at times struggle with. And and let's be honest, he has been with this man for three years. He saw him uh, taken in the middle of the night. He saw him beaten, murdered on the cross, buried dead body in the tomb. And it wasn't until John saw the empty tomb that he believed. Uh, and so the thought of him being resurrected is, is a pretty hard thing to understand. But let's read these verses, verse 24 through 29, and then let's see what we can learn from the Word of God together today. Verse 24, it says this, But Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were telling him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, If I don't see the mark of the nail in his hands, put my finger into the mark of the nails, and put my hand in his side, I will never believe. A week later, his disciples were indoors again, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Peter, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. Thomas responded to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Now this is a story, again, that most of us have have heard, and we've probably heard some teaching on it. But there's a couple of things I want us to to look at that I think are are unique to this. And, And again, this is something that I want us to think about in our own lives as we can be Thomas. We can be those who say, I have to have evidence before I can believe. That's the the world around us for a large portion of why they don't believe in Christianity is because it involves things that are supernatural. 
And because they can't uh, qualify or quantify the, the actions of supernatural, they choose not to believe because our own minds are our limit. We have to see it. We have to understand it before we can believe it. And if we can't understand it, then it must not be true. And that's no different than what happened in, in, in the garden. That was the decide, deciding factor for Adam and Eve to take of that fruit so that they would be like God. They would know like God, know all things. And they needed to know. They wanted to know. And that's what led them to this sin that caused them to uh, actually be, be banished from the garden and the, the curse of sin come upon man because of man's sinfulness, because of their own desire to know. And so what we see in verse 24 is that Thomas was with them, but he was not with them the first time. So this time he's with them. The first time when he came, he wasn't there. This time he's there. And he's still, as they're telling him about this, he didn't believe it. And then they gather again. And I love that it says, even though the doors were locked, like even though the doors were locked, Jesus came in. As if it wasn't enough that they have not seen Jesus perform miracles, as if it wasn't enough for Jesus to walk out of a grave, he can now enter a room with the door locked. Uh, he's already established that he's pretty powerful. I don't think a locked door is anything that's going to stop Jesus, but I, I love that that is in there. Just as more emphasis that this is something that is supernatural. This is something that is beyond. So it helps us to understand Jesus uh, didn't almost die and then and someone take his body and then he recovered and then he came back and saw them. It was the same night. It was Sunday night. And he came into a room where the door was locked. He entered in supernaturally. And he says to them, peace be with you. Now, again, he said that the first time and the second time he was with them. And I think it has a large part to do with the fact that if you saw a resurrected man, the first thing that would come over you would be fear and terror, not peace. And Jesus says to them, peace be with you. Like, hey, it's okay. It's me. But then I love what he does. I love in verse 27. All we know that happens is that he says, Peace be with you to everyone. And then he turns in verse 27 directly to Thomas. And he says, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. And this isn't, this isn't Jesus being aggravated or frustrated or angry with Thomas and saying, Okay, I'm showing up for your benefit. Now, touch my hand, touch my side, and I'll prove to you that I'm real. I don't see this as Jesus condemning Thomas for his doubt. I think this is further extended grace of Jesus Christ and understanding that man is, is weak in their understanding. Man is weak in their faith. And so he shows up to Thomas and he says to him here, you said you need the proof. You said you need to touch. You need to see. You need to feel to believe. Well, here I am. Touch, feel, see. And he gives Thomas this opportunity to believe. And I think it's a beautiful thing, this beautiful act of grace for Jesus to show him, if this is your doubt, then I'll give you the evidence. Thomas replies to him when he sees in verse 28, he doesn't reply, okay, now I believe. He doesn't reply anything other than saying, my Lord and my God. Thomas didn't just believe that Jesus was standing in front of him. He believed that he was Lord and that he was God. This seeing of the resurrected Jesus brought him to the full understanding that this was God in the form of man standing in front of him. 
How else could a man be resurrected from the dead on his own than he be God? And Thomas recognizes that. Jesus responds to him, Because you have seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Guys, that's where we are today. We've not seen Jesus, and we won't until he comes back. We won't see Jesus until his return, or we die and are with him in heaven. We won't get to physically see Jesus until those times. But yet we are called to believe. And Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's what faith is. That's faith. Believing in something that you cannot see. Something that is beyond our understanding, but yet we still believe in it. That's the beauty of Christianity and our faith. And that's the beauty of Scripture. And we're going to see that in the next verse. But that's the beauty of Scripture, is that it was written for us so that we might believe without seeing. It's written so accurately that it cannot be taken as, as a, an inaccurate writing, as, as a false understanding. It's historically accurate. It is uh, accurate in its Jewish content for histori- history. It is accurate in its, its Greek understanding of, of history. It is accurate in all things, and we can trust it, and people use it for a trustworthy source, and it also tells us supernatural things that we can have faith in because of the accuracy of the Word of God. Look at verse 30. It says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. John just puts it out there right after this little conversation. He decides to add this little thing to help us to understand now. Hey, just like Thomas needed to see and believe, Jesus did a lot of other things, but I wrote these in this book, and they're written so that you might believe. You might see this book. You might understand the truth of this book, and you might believe. That's the beauty of Scripture, given to us so that we might believe in Christ. Guys, I know right now in life, A lot of you are are probably going through some things where it's hard for you to see Christ. It's hard for you to believe in Christ and His goodness and His love for you. But I'm here to tell you that if you will ask God to show you Himself, He will show you Himself. Not physically. He's not going to enter a, a locked room with you and stand next to you and say, Here, touch my hand. But if you look for the Lord, if you look for Christ in the world around you, you will find Him. If you are genuinely looking, you will find Him. I told you at the beginning of this, I'm, I'm starting to really struggle with not being able to, to meet with you guys, not being able to fulfill uh, what God has called me to do, to, to lead gatherings of people and worship to Him, and it's becoming harder and harder, but I am seeing God in this. I am seeing God as He is removing things from my life that don't need to be there. I am seeing God show me the things that I have taken for granted and that I now long for. And so I, I know that Christ will show himself if we believe and if we seek him. I know that, especially for you seniors, I can't imagine how hard this must be for you guys to be losing all these things you've looked forward to for so long. And I know you probably feel empty, and you probably feel disappointed and discouraged, and maybe you're even questioning why God would allow this to happen, and I wish I had that answer, but I don't. But I do have this answer. If you look for Christ in this, you will find him. 
If you look for him, if you seek him, he will show himself. And I pray that you don't lose your confidence in him through all of this. Guys, I pray that we can be like Thomas. I know that sounds odd. We don't want to be like Thomas because Thomas was a doubter. Well, he started out as a doubter, but he left as a confident believer in Jesus Christ. And so I pray whatever is in your life that is causing you doubt now, that you would walk away from it as a confident believer in Jesus Christ. That's my hope for you. That's my hope for myself. That's my hope for all of us. Anytime we enter enter into any period of doubt, that we would walk away from it as confident believers in Jesus Christ. Next week, we're going to look at another conversation that Jesus has with Peter, the one who denied him uh, the night before, and Jesus is going to restore him through his grace as well. And so I hope you'll join us next week as we step into verse 21 and we maybe finish up John, maybe not. We'll see how it goes. But again, guys, let me just tell you how much I miss you, how much I love you, and how much I cannot wait to see you all again. But until then, may God's grace be with you.